Hi! Welcome back to another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends, the super awesome podcast show where me, your artist friend Chris Dyer, talks to all of his awesome creative friends. Today, my special guest is Chris Markovich, who's an awesome, legendary pro skater, an old friend of mine, and a great painter and artist who has lots of beautiful and wise things to share with us. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Thanks for having me out here skating. Of course, Ooh, of course. Nice little sesh. You come here skating every day? Pretty much, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, we'll go, we'll go street skating, pick our spots. But like, it's not like it used to be when we'd go street skating, get in the car and go for all day and look for spots. Like, I'd rather like that that time now I can spend with my son and my wife, you know. So it's and I live real close to this park, so it's just if it's dry, then I'll go here. It's the best bet. Like. That I know I'll be able to skate because a lot of times like I don't know street skating here isn't the easiest you have to like kind of plan it and know where you're gonna go or you can be in the car all day just driving around like, right and it's so hot <laughs> yeah like you don't want to go out there and like you know boil on the pavement no not definitely not down here but we're luckily it's the winter months now and it's just this is when the weather's amazing down here so it's like, summer intolerable for skating um, if you're not from here and you come and you just get out of the car, or like wake up, and oh, I'm gonna go skate. You're, then you're just like, oh my god, you have to have like three or four shirts, a gallon of water, like <laughs> three or four shirts. I, I I come here in the morning in the summertime. My backpack is full of shirts and a towel. Like you go through shirts, like I, that's how I kind of judge my session. I'll know, like all right, I'll text your name, be like, all right, I got two more shirts, ah! so I'll be home in about an hour, hour and a half. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I thought moving here that was gonna, I wasn't gonna be able to handle the heat and skate, but. Uh -huh. I mean, I, I kind of just dealt with it and slowly but surely skated every day. And then just living here, you just kind of acclimate to it. And yeah. I've, I don't know, I, I don't mind it now. Like if, now that the cooler months are here, I find myself in the morning, like here, like nine in the morning trying to warm up and it's still like 55 degrees. I'm like, oh my God, where's the summer? I want it warm again. Cause when it's hot, you're just instantly warmed up. You just have to stretch and go. Like right. it takes Only a little when longer. It's cold, hurts extra. Yes, and so bad. And something just gets to your bones. <laughs> And talking about pain and, and, and your bones, like, you're, you're like, in your 40s, right? Like, I just turned 50. You turned 50? Yeah, beginning wow. of October, yeah. So. Man, you're in great shape, dude. It, it took me a while. Like, I didn't skate for, like, 10 years. And during that time, I wasn't unhealthy. I've, like, always had pretty decent eating habits. So it wasn't like I was just eating crap and not doing anything. But my excuse Anytime anybody's like, oh, are you still skating? And I would just like a knee-jerk reaction like, no, man, my body hurts too bad. I can't do it. Right. And then when I started skating and like it, it took me a good four months to where I could skate like three or four days in a row. Like okay. I would skate and then just be too sore. And then, you know, I would slowly, okay, three or four days later, I'll go back to the park. And now I've finally gotten 
to the point where I can skate every day. Like if I don't hurt myself or like overstress something, then I'm, I try to skate every day. And like that, even when I was younger and still like traveling and stuff and actually like kind of having skateboarding as my main career, uh-huh. like towards the end, I would skate, you know, like every other day, just trying to save my body. Right. And now I've like to work to the point where I'm at every day and it's it's a good feeling. Like it took a while, but, nice. but it's good, yeah. Yeah, I want to get there. I, I've had a bad knee for like a year and a half and I'm trying to get it back in shape and I'm like, should I skate more so it, it learns to tolerate it or should I lay off it and just give it a chance to heal up? Uh, yeah, yeah, see that's know. that's the that's the million dollar question. Like if it's, in my head, like if it's still on the injured side, then you want to lay off of it and then like keep it, you know, moving and exercise it, but nothing impactful or something can you twist it. But then once you're healing, then like, I've kind of been on of the thought to keep it going, especially like my second knee surgery I had at the ACL and they had me going immediately, like into the machine that was moving. And then like by the end of the, like the first week after the surgery, they had me already in physical therapy and doing stuff. So, I mean, I think if you can handle the pain and, and are not, don't overexert it, then I think moving it and doing shit is better. Like, mm-hmm. what, is it, what is that old saying? Like, objects and motions tend to stay in motion. Okay. So, like, if you keep it going, it's not going to get, I don't know, like, all the other muscles will atrophy and you're not using it. But if you kind of lightly move it and keep it going, I think that's the best protocol is to keep it active, wow. you know. I'm happy I got to skate today. I haven't skated in a bit. So You've been on one. You've been traveling. You just moved here. you got a lot on your plate. I'm always moving. Maybe not skating, <laughs> but... Uh... So, Chris, I was here last Christmas. We went out skating. And you're telling me how great St. Petersburg was. And now, less than a year after, I have moved here. And I'm your neighbor. And uh, I'm trusting that this is going to be a great place to live for many years to come. When did you move to St. Petersburg from California? Why? And, what, you know, what's, what, why you moved out here to St. Petersburg, Florida? All right. So when we were in California, um, it, was tour, it was right at the beginning of the lockdowns for COVID. Mm-hmm. Like about a month before that started, we were trying to figure out our lease was up in our place. And we we're like, all right, well, let's start looking and try to find if we want to stay. Like we're in San Diego area in Oceanside. I've lived all over Southern California and we were like, well, should we move maybe north? Like go north and check it out for a bit. And we were, you know, so house hunting, kicking around ideas for months. And mm-hmm. then I had a job in Joplin, Missouri and a, a mural job out there. And we put our stuff in storage and we were getting ready to, you know, we were in the midst of finding a place and then the lockdowns happened. So we couldn't leave, we couldn't do anything, but our stuff was already in storage. So we're like, all right, well, we have a month and a half until Joplin. So let's just, that's all we're going to do. Our, not, our whole focus is going to be finding a place to live, where we want to live. So as the day approached for us to leave, we still hadn't found anything. And we're like, man, like, let's just, our stuff's already in storage. Let's go to Joplin with a clean slate and go through, you know, we'll go to Phoenix. We'll go to Sedona. We'll go to Austin. We'll go check all these places out on our way and see if anything, if we like anything. And then we can go there. It's like we've at a perfect place in our life to like start over fresh somewhere new. Mm-hmm. So we get to Joplin and we're kind of like, oh, we don't really have anywhere we want to go. She didn't want to go back to Richmond because she that's where she's from. And I was like, I don't been there, done that. I don't want to go back. And my, I've, I kind of felt the same way about Atlanta. I was like, we could go to Atlanta, but I've been there, done that. I love it there, but we should try something new. And I was like, well, we could go back to Pensacola. That's where I went to high school and I grew up there. I was like, it's beautiful there, but it's just a lot slower than San Diego, but we'll check it out. So that was our plan, go to Pensacola. 
and I had a friend from Pensacola living in San Diego and he's like hey I heard you guys are moving to Pensacola I'm like yeah we're actually on our way there now and he's like well at the end of the month when I get my unemployment check I'm moving across and I was like well that'll be perfect because we will find a place in Pensacola We'll get it, get settled in, then I'll fly out, get the moving truck, and we can like caravan back out. Mm -hmm. The next day, we're pulling into Pensacola. He calls, and he's like, hey, have you guys ever thought of living in St. Pete? And I was like, well, I, my, I grew up coming down here to my, my grandmother lived in Largo, like Clearwater, Largo area. Yeah. So I've, you know, I, coming down as a kid, I'd seen it and been here and knew what it was like. But as an adult, I'd never been here. And Renee's never been here. She's only been to Florida. She, you know, on the east coast of Florida a couple of times. And I was like, well, let's just go down and check it out. And uh, he's like, well, if you guys like it, we can move in. My friend's mom has a place. She's going to be in California for the next year, so we can rent it. And that way, we don't have to drive across country, put our stuff in storage, and find a place. We just have uh -huh. a place. Uh -huh. And I was like, let's do it. Let's just call it. Let's go and do it. So we came down here, and instantly fell in love with it. It was like, okay, like, and I have used this analogy before. Like when we were leaving California. Like, we had a, we still have it. We have a really wide couch, and it was like one inch too big everywhere we went. So we'd always have to break it up, you know, things uh -huh. like that. Our chargers, our iPad chargers, like the ransom would pull them out of the, the phone and something would mess up. So we were always having to jimmy rig the chargers and stuff like that. And then when we got down here, got the house, I flew to California, drove the moving truck across, and when we emptied the truck out, we Without seeing the living room, the couch slid in perfect, fit perfect with like an inch on each side. Uh -huh. We got here out of, for some reason, all of the chargers started working. Everything was it just this little things like that that you don't they're inconsequential. You don't really think there was about, some flow, but it started working. And then immediately, like I met a few dudes that live here, or, or that, that skate the park. And I was like, okay, cool. I got some guys that are a little older, so I'm not like chasing young skaters around to try to go. I can cook up with these older dudes. Right. And so I met like a really good group of people pretty much immediately. And then Renee, we got married a few months after we moved here and she wanted to go and, you know, have her hair done. And so she picked a certain salon. She goes to the salon, turns out the owner of the salon was in there. She met her, asked what her husband did. Oh, my husband's a pro skateboarder. She's like, oh, my husband's skateboard. She was saying there's a pro skateboarder that's been coming to the park. Turns out he and I had already skated together. We were already sparking up a friendship. And it just kind of fell into place. Like, it was like Providence. Everything started working, and everything seemed very natural. Uh-huh. Like, I like, probably, I don't know, maybe a month after I got here, I went up to, uh, to uh, Augusta, Maine for a mural job. I was only there for like a week. And when I came home... She picked me up at the airport and we were driving back across the bridge and we were coming into St. Pete and it just felt like I was home. Like mm -hmm. coming, like it felt like, okay, now I'm back. And I haven't had that feeling in a really long time with the place that I've lived. You know, like California, uh -huh. I kind of was always like, well, as soon as something better comes along, we're going to take it and go and get out of here. It always just felt like I was trying to get out. And right. Like, but now that we're here, like everything just works and I just, I don't know, I feel at home here. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'm, I'm quickly making St. Pete feel like home. I've only been here for a month. Mm -hmm. And my house is like a, not a disaster. It's building up. I'm just taking shit out of boxes and, you know, while running a couple of businesses and all this shit. But uh, the people and the artists, as soon as they found out that I was moving here, so many people are ready to meet me like, oh, that's so great. You're here. Mm -hmm. Please join us on this yoga studio. Please join us in this venue and this art show. Like, 
It's very You're welcome. Very welcoming. Yeah. yeah, which was the opposite of Denver. For sure in Denver I got my fans, but a lot of artists were kind of like, oh shit, like here comes Chris oh, yeah. and what is he going to take from us? Right. And, you know, and here's the opposite. It's like, what's Chris going to come and contribute to us mm -hmm. and to the scene, which is totally what I, I'm, I'm here to do. So I'm loving it. I'm happy I got a skater friend. You know, I'm always right. like so intimidated when I skate with like really good people like nah, you. Um, but uh, it's, it's always like, you know, good vibes all around. And uh, I mean, you moved into a good place too. Like golf courts are really good. Like seems like if it was if there would be anywhere that would be like an old hippie commune it would be that area uh -huh. you know? and they have the really good skate park down there it's right on the water right good art scene good people yeah well you took me there last time yeah, yeah. i was like oh <laughs> this seems like a little beach town and we skated mm -hmm. that little park oh look at the beautiful blue jay gorgeous wow what up, buddy? um yeah so i was like you know what this could be like a place for me to live and I kept on flirting with different places and here I am so that's awesome well I'm happy you're here and uh, I don't know let's get Maybe some let's... let's get some art jams on top of the skate jams definitely, definitely. Um, you're originally from Atlanta though right mm -hmm. that's uh, and then when did you move to California what's what's where have you lived before here and there yeah so I kind of break my life up into two sections from before pro skateboarding and then after uh -huh. so before pro skateboarding I was born in Atlanta and I lived between Atlanta Birmingham Alabama and Pensacola Florida uh-huh and then when I graduated high school I turned pro that summer after graduating, I was 17. My parents were like, you're not, I was like, I'm moving to California when I turn 18. They're like, well, you're not gonna move by yourself across country the first time leaving the house. <laughs> so when I turned 18, we all, the whole family, we moved. My dad moved up to Tennessee to take a job for the first year that we were out there. And uh, so yeah, we went to California and that was in 1990. And then uh, kind of been out there that's where my mom, my family's still out there. And then throughout the last 30 years, like I've kind of, I've, that's been my base of home, like Carlsbad. And then like I've lived in New York, I've lived in Atlanta and I've lived around, moved around, but I've kind of all went back there. Mm -hmm. And now later in life, I've relocated to Florida and now I'm trying to pull back my mom and my sister and try uh -huh. to bring them back to Florida to get them out. Carlsbad is kind of like the one of the epicenters of skateboarding, right? Yeah, for like, sure. I know, like, I mean, I know it's kind of spread out more now. Uh -huh. Companies have moved, but there was a, a time, like, early 90s, like, when I first moved out there, like, the, the majority of the Southern California and Northern California, like, that split. Mm -hmm. There was all the Northern, Cali Northern California companies. There was, you know, Powell and stuff in Santa Barbara. But San Diego, the Southern California skateboard industry, at one point was all in Carlsbad. There were uh -huh. so many companies, right? and especially out in the, um, like near where McGill's used to be, the inland like warehouse district. There was, I don't know, probably 30 of the industries, skateboarding, surf and snowboarding. So it was just, you know, still North counties is huge for it, but Carlsbad at one point was definitely the Mecca for the industry companies. So, uh so a pro skater would be an advantage just living there because you go to parks, you meet the right people, you get seen I mean, by the right people and so on. And, and Carlsbad, like North County, like San Diego, when you're in the, each one of the towns, like, you know, you have Oceanside, Carlsbad, Encinitas, Cardiff, Del, Del Mar, individually, they're all small towns. So when you're in them, you still have like a small town vibe. So if you're in Carlsbad and you're a skateboarder and you go, I don't know, to the mall or you go to the any like 7-Elevens at the beach, you're gonna see people within the industry. 
And if you're skating and you have talent and you're ripping, if you go to the parks, if you're street skating, you know, a good chance that somebody within the industry is going to see you. So you just say if you're out there or you go there, you have a better chance of people seeing you and kind of making things happen. Not that you can't do that now anywhere with, you know, internet and, and, and social media, but early 90s when I first turned pro, it was like you pretty much had to pil make a pilgrimage out there to at least get your foot in the door, meet everybody, and then you could kind of establish yourself and then you could go back to your town and go back to wherever you're from. But now it kind of seems like people are just everywhere and doing what they do. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a lot about your art and stuff uh, because this uh, podcast is mostly people who are artists who want to hear the, the journey of the artists and stuff. But since you, you started as a skateboarder, I'm going to start with that journey and mm -hmm. then how that led you into art. So do you want to tell me like, when do you learn uh, to skate? When did you get good enough to be sponsored? And how you get into like turning into a pro skater? I know that's a long story, but. <laughs> <coughs> well, no, no, it, it kind of all leads into one. So like, as a kid, like growing up on the art side of things, my mom, she, my mom and dad are like, they're not outwardly creative as far as like making paintings. My mom always has, been a seamstress she's always had clothing companies she's always designed and made and made her own things mm -hmm. my dad was a songwriter he never he didn't hit none of his job his job didn't reflect that but you know growing up like I'd hear stories like he wrote music with Jim Croce and different people like behind the scenes whatever so I I was in a creative family but I played sports like baseball football as a kid that's all I did and then growing, probably till I was like maybe started high school, I still played those sports. And everybody started getting really big. So I stopped playing football because I was tiny. And then, uh, so I whittled it down to just baseball, but I was skating all the time. My dad was my coach at baseball. And when I started skating, I started seeing like, okay, I can do this on my own. And if, I'm, if I succeed or if I fail, it's on me. But if I go to my baseball game, I could play my ass off, play the best game I ever played, and the rest of the dudes on the team could suck, and then we lose, you know what I mean? It's like you end up losing because of somebody else's performance. And as right. a kid, I was like, I, I started finding skateboarding and wanting to just do that. So then it, getting into high school, that's when it started. It was always baseball and skateboarding or something that I did on the side. And then in high school, right when I started, the skateboarding started taking more of the baseball. And then... A couple years later, I broke my throwing arm, oh. and then that kind of solidified me going to the skateboard side. And then I still always had an art book growing up, and I would always have, you know, just doodles and shit, but nothing other than that. And then when I had an art teacher my junior year, and she was really cool and like, is the only one that told me to continue with my doodles on my page, you know, like, and I, she was the only, everybody would get mad at me, all my other teachers, stop drawing in the margins, leave your paper alone, you know, whatever, and she was the only one that kind of, like, gave me the, like, you should keep doing that, so, like, I would do that, and then skateboarding, I turned pro, and I moved to California, and then I started traveling, and when I started traveling, I was on planes and trains and just always bored out of my mind listening to my, you know, countless loop on my CD player over and over again. Mm -hmm. So then I started like really like, you know, keep my journal going and drawing. And then it became more of like half half journal, half drawings. And then I was in New York and I got like a little keychain watercolor set with like this little tiny watercolor pencil wow. or watercolor brush. 
so then the art book started now it had color so then I was like doing color and then so the art became what I did while I was traveling mm -hmm. and then in 2000 so I probably did that for like 12 years you know actually kind of skating and painting I did a couple graphics during throughout the time from, from mm -hmm. different companies I wrote for and then I think 2000 when I had purchased like I got my first house I had an extra room and I turned in and actually had a studio where I could go in have all my art stuff and then I went from my art book to actually canvases and getting out and then growing and that took me a few years to get comfortable like actually working larger and then skating touring I'd be on tour and I'd get hurt and I'd be like the a main draw on the tour to show mm. up to this demo and I can't skate because I'm oh. hurt the whole rest of the team can, but I felt like an idiot because I'd be standing around not being able to do anything. Uh -huh. So I'd ask, usually it's at the park or the shop or something, there's like a blank wall or there was you know, something in the dressing room or the bathroom. And I'd just be like, yo, I can't skate, but do you guys want me to paint something? Yeah. And then that, I would do that. And so I, that kind of just sent me into that direction to where I'd be on tour. And then I'd show up to a demo and I wouldn't be hurt. And I'd do the demo and then I'd be like, yo, would you be down to paint something? So then it became the skating and painting. And then it uh -huh. just kind of, they kind of that's set me off on the journey of doing that and then so I've always been this skateboarder that's kind of they've all been the same and then like as one I'm a the Chris Marker was a skateboarder and then Chris Marker was the artist right and they're just one and I tried to separate them at a the time and like all right I'm gonna focus on my art and then I'm at skating and then now 50 years old I'm finally realizing like I'm it's, just it's I'm a just one dude I'm just me and I'm the skateboarder and the artist and it's now like I'm finally like okay not okay because I'm not like I was ever like oh I'm having I'm some I'm torn I don't know what I am but just outwardly like when people would look it's like oh he's a pro skateboarder that paints or he's uh -huh. a painter that skates you know right. so now it's just all one I'm just me and that's what yeah. I yeah painter or or would you consider yourself a a skate artist like I don't, I don't even know what a skate artist is other than art on skateboards but anyway I can put art I would, on a skateboard. I would say without label I mean I've never I don't never known where how to label my art right my art's this way or that way or I'm a, a this or that but if you were to to break it down and half the label I would guess I would be the epitome of a skate artist because I'm a I am a skateboarder I have been my whole life that's the, the one thing I've done consistently throughout anything you lived it and bleed it it's influenced every every like cell of my being that's where the art i saw came from it was on the photos and thrasher on Nottis and mark gonzalez's grip tape on lance mountain's grip tape so like that's where it comes from and like i don't i mean i i love looking at other artists and going to galleries and seeing you know seeing art and, but there's so much out there that like it's overwhelming right. to where for me, if I, I just, you know, go through my life daily, normal, look at skateboarding stuff, but that's where surf, skate and snow, like that's, that's the that culture that attracts culture. you. That's, that is you. Yeah. Uh, this whole story that you're telling me about you doing art during skate tour reminds me of, uh, I, be, I believe it's Neil Blender mm -hmm. in the 80s. And I saw this from a V, like a Betamax probably a tape in Peru when I was still living there. And it was a competition and he just stopped skating mm -hmm. and started tagging and I was like, what the fuck's he doing? He's supposed to skate, but he's doing art and that shit blew my mm -hmm. mind. It's like, what? What's going I didn't understand it. Neil Blender was huge, huge like influence for me. Not not so much on like the content of his art, but just how he did it and how he went about doing it. It was just anywhere he was, 
I'm sure it's the way it is now with his art. It just, I mean, I've seen him do watercolor paintings when we did 88. He was wor he worked with us and had a shoe out for 88. And he would do these just the raddest watercolor, quick watercolor paintings, and it just had so much like feeling in it, and it would uh -huh. be done real quick, and it's you know that that's just years and years and years of him doing it, and it looks super quick and simple, but. Right, yeah. but he's in the flow of his expression. Mm -hmm. um, so when you turned pro, you were living in Atlanta? Uh, I was in Pensacola at that time. I had just graduated high school. Okay. And I was in Pensacola, Florida. Who you turned pro with? Uh, Dogtown. Oh, no way. Yeah, it was right. It was That's a so cool. Short, like, stint. I was on Dogtown for like eight months. And then when I turned, I went to the Reno... It was funny, we were talking about Lance Conklin. We went to the Reno Am Finals back then. They had the NSA contest. They would, they would do like a regional or district regionals and then they'd have the, the finals out. And this one was in Reno. And it's all the amateurs throughout the U.S. at that time. And Lance is from St. Pete and I was from Pensacola. And we went to that. It was the Reno Am Finals in 1990. And Lance won and I got second. Uh -huh. And then fast forward 30 years later, I'm living in St. Pete and hang out with Lance and Scott. Those are those dudes. So. Nice. That's awesome. So you started with Dogtown mm -hmm. and you didn't have to move to Venice or California no. well, to be in with them? Because I kind of did, yeah. Like, that was the thing. They were in SF at the time. That's where okay. they, were, they were located. And the whole plan was for me to move out to California and move to San Francisco. And I was supposed to work in the warehouse during the day. I'd work in Dogtown in the warehouse during the day and then skate and whatever after and uh, we couldn't we were in San Francisco for two weeks every day looking for places to live and then we couldn't find anything and we were just blowing through our money that we had saved for first and last and my mom was like let's just go to San Diego and take a break I went to school near there and college so let's just I'm losing my mind we're losing all our money we came down to San Diego and like the next day like I went skating with a bunch of my friends and then we got back to my buddy's house and it's like hey um, his friend, my friend's mom was like, hey, your, your mom left a message and here's the address. She guys rented a place. You guys had a place in Carlsbad. And then we were, that's how I moved to San Diego. And Dogtown was pissed. Like they were not happy that I didn't move to Northern California. And then I moved to Southern California. And that was at Which the time. is ironic because that's where the brand started, right? Right. And at this time, though, they were they were having like, that was the height of NorCal, Southern California. Like the, what the year rivalry. Is this? this was 90. Okay, 1990. Yeah. Wow. And I didn't. I was just a kid from Florida. I didn't really know that there was that big of a beef between like Thrasher and Transworld and those companies and oh. the Southern California companies. And I came out and got thrown right into the mix of it because as soon as like I didn't go up to SF and they were just being dicks. So I was like, I'm not, I don't want to ride for you guys. And I I had just met Gator like the literally that week that I moved out. Wow. And he was trying to get on GNS. So I went skating with him with all the dudes, the GNS that he was trying to, he was working to get on. I ended up getting on GNS and he didn't and ended up going and riding for, I think, I don't know, Fish Lips or something. And that's who he rode for right before he killed that girl and then that all happened. Wow. But I had moved to California and that's, so I was already like, they were trying to get me on GNS when Dogtown wasn't being too nice to me. So right. I was like, all right, I'm out. And then, so this is like, you know, early 90s, like 1990 when like the skate 
fad of the 80s was going down and before mm -hmm. the 90s uh, wave are going up. So this is like a really low time Terrible. between also <laughs> uh, vertical skateboarding and thus why gators trying to get on mm -hmm. and find a new way. And, and street skating coming up in the 90s. Yeah, that was And you were a right, street skater. Right on the cusp, right on that wave. Like, I moved to California November of 1990, and that was the year Vert died. Like, 89, 88, 89, 90, that was like the nail in the coffin for that. And all uh -huh. the Vert skaters were floundering trying to make the crossover. And a, a handful of them did in, in I mean, obviously, like Tony Hawk and those, like they, Lance Mountain, Steve Caballero, like there right. was a, a handful of vert guys that, and it was only a few, well, no, I guess it went on a lot longer than that. I was going to say it was only a few years that it was, you know, vert struggled, but no, it was a good, good amount of the 90s that vert was pretty much dead. Right. And, uh, yeah, so that was, I think we were, like my generation, I had just turned pro and we were the first of the new street skaters, but skating was, ha it was on the come up. But we was just on the start, so it was in a really weird, weird area, weird time. Which so, was great. It was great because right. you, know, you could do it anywhere. That's the 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 era of like Rocco and mm -hmm. all, that, and you know, and Andy Howell and New yep. Deal and all the brands that were made by skaters for skaters. Did you get on one of what, what like? What? I wrote for yeah. I was on a Rocco company. I wrote for 101. 101. Yeah, and that it's funny because like did he give you a stupid graphic? No, actually, I mean, I had a. a I have it. I'm sure I had some pretty messed up ones, but for the most part, they were they were really good. Like my the first my first board was the Marvin the Martian thumbs up series. Oh, uh, cool! So I was that, in. But a, that's a stupid graphic. Oh, it's stupid. <laughs> but it's a co collectively. That was the first one that they did through Blind World 101. They did it through all. So right. we, they had a series through it, and it's still to this day like if you have that series, like that's. That, I mean, it's worth a lot of money. That's the probably original. also like the slick deck that won't uh, scratch. Yeah, 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 right? That yeah. was, I had a few of this, like, I had one, an Evil Knievel slick that I really liked. I had some slicks, but I never, I didn't like that. I didn't like them. They made the board, like, wafery. Uh -huh. Like, boom, 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 because you hit the plastic. Yeah. So I had them, but I never really rode too many of them. Uh -huh. But, yeah, that was, I, I came out 90, got on 101, street skating was brand new. So, like, it's real easy to seem like I'm going, oh, back in my day, it was the best. But, like, it literally was way different. Like, Southern California, San Diego, 1990 to 1995. Like, you could skate anywhere. Like, you didn't really get kicked out. Like, people knew what skateboarding was, but they didn't really. They didn't so expect you could you go jumping off stairs and doing rails. And if and anything, you I get out, you're kicked out. So, like, yeah. we had the run of it. And you could do anything, anywhere, and not. And now, like, yeah, it's you have now. You just it's a lot more work put into it. You got to go. You have to find the spot. You have to go at night. Generator and lights. Go deal with security. You know, skate stoppers yeah, everywhere. Skate stoppers everywhere. This was like free for all, open. It was like so fun. It, it was a, everything was new, and it was like the world was right there. So it, like, it, it's got this like dog town looking for empty swimming pools mm -hmm. kind of vibe, you know. And it, it, it is the exact same thing, but it was like somebody just opened the door to the city and we're like, here you go. Here's and it was like, your new skate park. People had been in the skating in the city for years, but now the, the industry and the magazines and everything were focusing on it. So like, you could do anything, you know? Like, uh -huh. nothing was off, off limits. Like, if you wanted to skate a curb, you could skate a curb. If you did a boneless on the curb, cool. But if you did a boneless on the bench, then it's even better because you're on the bench. Like, it uh -huh. just didn't matter. You could do anything. And like, 
I think that's what was really, really cool about skateboarding is it was so new that any and there was so much creativity, and like I mean there still is in skateboarding, and I I just think it's lost a little bit of it's just in a different direction. Like right. there's creativity, but there's so much and so many skateboarders that everybody's good now. Yeah. You know what I mean? So now it's like you got to find. Now it's, it's very niche. You can find right. Like, it, it's all like very specific, you know. Mm -hmm. But say like starting street skating, that's like opening up a whole fucking genre, and you can yeah. go in a, like a ton of directions. Like what would be a kind of skateboarding that's not vert or ramps, and it's not street, like. Whatever that next thing is, that mm -hmm. whoever invents that, that's fucking... Well, I think where that's going now is you've got guys like Ishad and Zion and dudes that can skate everything, that can skate a 35-step handrail and then go into a bowl and do a 540 in the bowl, like all-terrain vehicles, Grant Taylors, that can skate everything. I think uh -huh. the that, I mean, unless there's going to be some crazy genre like the super ramp and the mega ramp and like those things like That's which like those dudes are on a whole other level right. Elliot Sloan Bob Burnquist like those dudes Jake bro yeah Jake like those dudes unless somebody invents something like that then I think the next thing is just the most technical all-around dude like kid that can win I don't know like battle of the barracks on the flat ground stuff but then also go and skate a vert contest mm -hmm. and win the vert contest and so versatility is ATV. the next thing yeah i i would i mean and there, there are skaters like that now like it's the new young guys that can skate everything are just like it's amazing to watch because they're like it's not you can watch them and just continually watch it through the spectrum you don't have to be like oh he's rad but then he's not too good on this or he's not too good on that but like when you see him they skate everything to see somebody with that much that much control and that type of control, it's it's something special to see. It's like an artist that's just good at any yeah. medium. You mm -hmm. give him some watercolors, he'll kill it. You give him some charcoal, he'll kill it. You give him spray paints, he'll figure it out fairly exactly. quickly. Um, so in this path of being like the the pro skater, like when did skateboarding blow up again? And in that in that situation, you became like a, a superstar of sorts. How was that experience? Was there like money and fame and ego and confusion and <laughs> drugs and sex? Or did you always keep it real? Or what was the experience of, well, of that? So I think I kind of always missed the boat on that stuff in the sense of either I was too early or never too late. I think just too early for me. Like I was in the first wave of street skating when there was no money in it. And then we were the first to bring, not we were the first, but while I was doing it, that's when like corporate companies were coming in with corporate money and trying to get in a little bit. I had shoe sponsors. I had, I, there was good money to be made and I made good money, but I was just before uh, the like million dollar deals were doing uh -huh. getting, You know what I mean? Where it's, so now it's like, it's not unheard of for a dude to make to, oh, you're riding for us? All right, we're gonna get five grand a month or whatever, yeah. you know, and that's just like an easy starting thing uh -huh. to where, like, I missed the boat on that to where the dudes that came after me had it to where they could get a lot more money. And that, that would have been like what, like mid 90s, late 90s when they started going late 90s, 2000, early 2000s is when yeah. everybody was, that's when all the corporate money was started to come like in. Like Bam Margera. Yeah, and like those dudes, so like Bam, I think just, he went, a, obviously went a different route in the sense of, he had MTV that was behind him and, and all of his, you know, antics and the shit that he did. So it wasn't like, I don't know, I think that just, opened, that was a whole monster that just kind of happened, you know, like over uh -huh. here. Because he, <clears throat> he <clears throat> like hit a, 
it's like lightning struck for that, you know, because it was the skateboarding, the MTV, everything just happened at the right right moment, and it right. just took off for him to where, I don't know, I don't think I would have wanted to be in that, have that level. Like, I mean, I've been with Bam around when the fame part uh -huh. is overwhelming. And Were I'm you not, on land speed? <clears throat> huh? Were you on land speed? No, 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 no. But I was on Tomietto like right after that. Uh -huh. and so I remember like, I mean, and I saw firsthand how giant that whole, just even CKY, like when that video came out and like I, what it was going to be. Yeah. And then once the MTV got behind it, like I went to Japan with Bam and it was like, you couldn't do anything. Like he couldn't go anywhere. And I was just <clears throat> with him like on the Hawk tours too. Like him and Tony combined, that was like crazy, insane to huh. where I was able to like, live vicariously through them and, and kind of go and hang out with them while that was going on and see enough of it to know that I don't want that. That, like, that I wouldn't would want suck. That. Especially for Bam now, like, I mean, this was a few years ago. I know he's dealing with his issues and stuff, but a few years ago when he was trying to, to get back into skating and I know it physically his body's beat. Woo! <laughs> Damn, I hope he hasn't crashed. I know, and that comes right to a stoplight right there. <laughs> But yeah, for Bam, like when he was trying to get back into skating, like the last thing you want to do is go to a crowded park where people are going to recognize you if you haven't skated in a few years. Right, the pressure. It, regardless of what you've done or haven't done in your career or whatnot, it's still, you're going to be in your head so much. And for him, he couldn't go anywhere. Like everybody's bam, 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 bam. Yeah, yeah. And if Bam bails a kick turn or bails something for his, oh, Bam sucks. And yeah. it's like, and it's that kind of shit. So for him, like, he couldn't do anything. That's why he started building all the parks at his house. So he'd have the private ones and right. and then, like, whatever. Well, the, that was an experience, uh, yeah, uh, like, interesting experience to have. To, like, to go to Japan with Bam and Tony? Holy mm -hmm. shit. Like, like that's the, fun. The that's amount great. of, the amount of, like, you show up to a place with, like, a Tony Hawk or a Bam, the, just the level of the demo. Like, you walk in on your normal thing there's maybe four or five hundred people there on a normal like your company tour you show up to a place like on the hawk tour and you get out and you walk in and like no at the minimum five thousand people there mm. and they're all like waiting for this demo and like then you show up and it's like instant demo like tony goes out there and tony's like on command can drop in and just do the demo winners so it's it's definitely a different different animal and a different beast when you do with do stuff with those guys but yeah like i said i'd I'd rather, much rather be where you're the radar at. You're in this nice, sweet spot where you're a well-respected, legendary pro skater, and the skaters know you. But also, you can go anywhere, and no one's gonna like stop you and uh, yeah, from yeah, just living a normal life, which is a beautiful thing too. It's cool. Like I, my my wife and my son get to see it sometimes. Like randomly, we'll be somewhere, and someone will come up and ask me if I'm mine. Are you Chris Margovich or whatever? Mm -hmm. And that's cool for my my son to be able to see that and shit. But right. And I like it that way, where it's just few and far between. I wouldn't want right. it to where it's like every day, like totally. somebody comes up. And like, oh. That's how I got it. You know, every now and then, like like oh, you're Chris Dyer. It's like woo. <laughs> but most people don't know me, except if I'm going to a specific place, like a like a festival or. I'm sure show. once you cut your dreads off too, that kind of eased yeah, it up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm undercover now. Right. Um, but you said that you had stopped skating for 10 years. So there was definitely a point where you're like, oh, I'm not a pro skater anymore. I'm over this. I'm just going to move on. How was that experience? Because I always feel like I got a lot of pro skater friends. And I'm like, when you're at the top of your career in your 20s, you're fucking like crushing it and you're a superstar. But 
skateboarding is really tied into your body that gets beat up and then at one point it ends and where does that leave you that you crash emotionally and your self-identification emotionally like how, how was that experience it was fucked to be brutally honest it was fucked because i was late 30s like 38 39 i had a blow up with the company that i was riding with my my partners we stopped doing that and it just seemed like everything all my sponsors i lost like three sponsors for being too old so that was a blow. And then I was, I got, I, I said a bunch during my career that if I was ever looked like I was struggling on my skateboard to film or if it just felt off, then I was going to walk away. And it came to this point where I was like 2012. I was like, I don't have anything left. None of my sponsors, I don't have any sponsors and I have no potential sponsors. And it was like the first time in a long time. And it felt kind of nice to not have to I've got to go do this. I was kind of free. And for the longest time, I was mentally dealing with, am I a skateboarder that paints? Am I really an artist? Am I this? And I kind of like, do I, am I lying to myself? Am I like, do I have these delusions of grandeur that like, if, would I be, would people want my art if I wasn't the skateboarder? Are people only buying my art because I'm a skateboarder and they can tie those two together? Like, and I just did that for a while. And then I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm done. I don't have any sponsors, so I'm not gonna pursue it. And then I just kind of slinked off into kind of obscurity as far as skateboarding went. And then, like, I, it was a harsh, harsh realization when for 20 plus years, my sponsors, like, I don't talk about myself. I don't talk about, I've never been that dude. Like if you, if you come to see skateboarding and you like my skateboarding, that's what's gonna talk for me. I'm not gonna tell you about my skateboarding. I'm not gonna tell you to watch my tricks or what tricks I do. I was fine with going out and filming the trick or shooting the photo and then giving everything to my sponsors and letting them market it and push it and do that. Mm -hmm. That was the one thing that I greatly, greatly underestimated would happen. Like when I pulled away from the industry, I had zero support and I had to figure out how to promote myself and how to be comfortable with myself and how to tell people or just even be able to be like, yes, I am an artist. I am now an artist. I always was, I always was. It was just in my head trying to convince myself. And I dealt with the same kind of shit when I started skating again, when I came here in my head, am I, am I an idiot? Like I'm 50 years old, like why, I'm about to turn 50. What am I doing trying to, I'm not trying to start a skate career again, but it's happening. Like it's just falling into place. I was skating and it, it, the more I skated, the better I felt, the better I felt, the better my artwork was reflecting in it. So it's like everything was helping each other kind of elevate. And then skateboarding started happening. Sponsors started coming and it's for the longest time in my head, I'm like, dude, are these people making fun of me? Like, are they, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I was dealing with. Like, same, same thing with the BAM situation. Like, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like, where am I? And then I just had to, like, just kind of, you have to stop or you go yeah. insane. And now, like, for me, like, I, it's what it is. Like, I don't lean too far. I don't try to look into things too much and just do what makes me happy and just, I don't know. And I kind of just, rambled off into obscurity on that no Sorry. <laughs> no that's that, that's good because you know it seems like there's you know pro skaters are usually 
rebellious oh, yeah. teens that get mm -hmm. good at a rebellious activity and then all of a sudden a, a brand or mainstream or, or society puts you up on a pedestal and is like, hey, right, look at this guy. And then you, your ego can like blow up, but then eventually that shit goes down and then where that leaves you, it leaves you looking at the mirror being like, oh shit, was that a lie? Or am I good because I'm good and fuck what other people say? And also like, but what's my new path? Like, uh, it seems like a lot of skaters that, that were big, like a pro, pro skaters, either move into the industry and make their own companies or they become artists or, or they do something in relationship to the thing that they love or they do something totally different uh, and they forget that they once was that famous pro skater. See, it's weird. For me, when I didn't skate and I was trying to figure out my way in, in the art world, I feel like I lost a huge part of who I was because I wasn't doing something. So like, for me to be able to go back and do, just skateboard at any level, kind of helped me find myself again and realize like, this isn't just, you're not fragmented. Like it's all one. Like my life isn't what I used to do or what I'm gonna do or what I could do. Like no, my life is what I am right now uh -huh. what I've become and where all the fucked up things that I've done in the past, all the mistakes I've made, all the ego, all the whatever, like, I would not change one thing because any one flap of that butterfly wing could change everything and I wouldn't have my wife and my son. And that's my world. Like, yeah, I could have done a few things different and have fuck you money now, you know? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't have my wife and my son, you know, because I wouldn't have gone in that down that path. I wouldn't, you know. So, I I love my life, like every bit of it, you know, and all the ups and all the downs and all the the doubt and self doubt, you know. Like in the end, like it's hard enough to wake up in the morning, breathing, and close your eyes at night, breathing, and and be happy in some point in the middle of that. On the like the lowest level of things like it's hard enough for every human just to do that and to be able to do that and be happy throughout the day and, and find things you enjoy and find things that aren't gonna drive you insane like if you once you find that don't you can't let that go you know and that's kind of where i'm at right now like mm -hmm. what like i'm not like i have art shows coming up i have art that i'm working on i have videos that i'm filming things that i'm trying to do and those will all happen and those will all come i'm just trying to just get from this moment to the next and with a smile on my face and hopefully smile on people's faces that are around me, you know? Mm -hmm. so. Well, that's all great wisdom, man. Uh, being a human being in the physical plane is hard enough of an experience. Might as well just be yourself. And uh, we're lucky enough that we're being public people that a lot of people know. And that's a blessing because it gives us our living out of the thing that we love, but there's also a lot of pressure. It's like, oh, who do we have to be for these people who are, in a way, supporting us? So, mm -hmm. in the end, if we support ourselves and just being whatever the fuck we are, like, good skater, bad skater, uh, good artist, bad artist, as long as like, hey, I am what I am and I'm trying my best. Mm -hmm. Like, I know I'm not a good skater, but I love skating yeah. and I don't want to stop skating. It's part of me and I'm not trying to prove anything. I just want to keep Nor on doing it. Nor should you. But that, what that, the best part about it is skateboarding comes through in your art and it always will. Whether it's you're 
there's a skateboard setup that's in the foreground of the mural that you're painting, like, or there's a fucking skateboard in your mural. Like, that's a part of who you are. You're a skateboarder, you know, like. And a little bit of the punk vibe. And that's and kind of what I'm, what I'm meaning. Like, that's you. as That encompasses you. So, like, not having the skateboard in there, it wouldn't be all you. You know what I mean? It doesn't right. matter how good you are. Like, that's the one thing, like, for me like i'm okay with it like i know like i have friends that are just as old like skating that are like man i used to be able to do this i'm afraid i can't do this anymore i'm like yeah but you can do this like yeah be happy that you're doing this how many other 55 year old people do you know that are just miserable at their job that they have to leave their family for every day and go and they come home and that's a huge chunk of their life that's just not that doesn't really equate to anything you know like you're uh -huh. able to still do something that makes you happy that you did 30 years ago. Like I had a, a reunion up in Pensacola like six months ago and I have a photo from my senior year of high school of all of us at the skate park and there's like five of us. Fast forward 30 years later, we took the same photo at this little reunion and we all went skating. And I'm like, dude, this is what it's about. Like when we were 15 and we dreamed about being in California, and now we're, we're all together doing this. 30 years later, this is insane. Like, uh -huh. There is such a, such a tiny, tiny percentage of human beings that can say that they're still friends with these five people and are blessed to be able to do the things you were doing when you were 15. Like, yeah, everybody's gone off in their own directions and dealt with their own life deals and life hammers and life situations. But to come back that long later and we all still have this one thing, the love for the skateboard, like, uh -huh. I don't know, man, it's, it's amazing. That's awesome, man. Mm. And, and it's great that you're uh, transitioning. Well, you're still a pro skater that's sponsored. Uh, so it's not like you're transitioning out of that. You're still doing it. But I, I'd say you're focusing more now on art, though your art was always part of, uh, of your skating. Uh, I remember you had... Uh, graphics uh, when you were on blind I, got, I still got mm -hmm. the tech thick <laughs> um, I was like well this is awesome and then later on I was like oh that's Chris Markovich's art in itself and then I don't know if you remember meeting me we met each other 15 years ago at an ASR 2006 San Diego and you had your crimson booth. Mm -hmm. We got a picture together it's really dark but I was like oh, I, cool. I remember there's we I don't know if you knew my art already at the time, but it seemed like we vibed because no, we no, stayed no, we in touch. Did, and there's, there's, I have pictures that I think you sent. I gotta look them in. They're in storage in an old book I have. I have books of like disc, not disc cameras, but your digicam photos in my art book. Like uh -huh. that I would take them get developed, and I know there's some. I have I have a photo, a couple photos. Of you, I think at the Crimson booth. Yeah. And it was the booth that we had painted, right? The mural, uh -huh. the whole booth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's photos of you there in uh, the booth. How was making... That was your brand, right? Mm -hmm. Was that your first brand? Um, well, I had Hollywood. And Hollywood was... Was that before or after? Yeah, that, I did Hollywood before. But I didn't own it. And I didn't... I just did the... I had the I was the art director the art and director. gave the, the you know ideas to Nilo, the artist that was uh, in-house artist at Tomietto. But when we did Crimson, that was my ex-wife and two partners, and we budgeted out the money. We did everything. We came up with everything, and the last thing we came down to was we didn't budget money for 
the art for artwork. We have to pay for artwork. And they're all like, no, you're going to do the artwork. And that was the first time that I'd had a couple graphics out. You know, I did a graphic of color and one for blind and a couple here and there. But I'd never done like in that to that level of putting my artwork out there and to base a company around my artwork. That, uh -huh. was, that was 2008. And that was like the first time I just put it all out there. And then from that one, that's the company that I had the the, the discrepancy with my partners and then we ended up splitting and, and I that was kind of the that was the the little part of the snowball that started the end of it like once that snowball went off and crimson was done that's when it just rolled into more you know from crimson we did given and I was like that was in spite of everything else just to keep something going yeah. I didn't want to do that and I was already like exiting yeah and then when that ended that was pretty much the, that was it like, it almost seems like you know when you're in the industry as a pro skater you have to deal with the industry and sometimes the industry can ruin the gross. whole art form of being a skateboard and expressing yourself through this beautiful it, it is way. and i don't this is like i don't want to put any it's just not good to put negative out there so I don't really want to focus anything negative on it, but you can very easily just sit here and do a five-hour podcast on all the negatives of the industry, you know, and all the gross little nuances and the things that just suck about it. But on the flip side, and it's just a small little bit of, to go, you know, you don't have to go that far to find how rad it is, too, you know, mm -hmm. so it's just as shitty as it is. It's awesome, and I'd rather focus on the cool shit about it, you know? Right. And that's, because you can find negative and bad in every industry out there and everything. Yeah. You know? and Babylon it, is Babylon, and yeah. <laughs> they want a piece of skateboarding too, I guess. It, it just sucks. That, I guess the thing that I don't like about it is when you see it, like, over time corrupt people that you knew. Like, there's people uh, in the industry that I knew, and they're still fine. I'm friends with them, and it's not like they're corrupt and evil people. Right. But just... They got an agenda. Just, they've changed. And they've changed from the skateboarder working with the corporate stuff to now that they're just corporate. They're all their decisions and all their thoughts are based around numbers and uh -huh. and the bottom line. And what not that if it's cool to do it or we should do this because it's rad. No, it's right. all like oh we're not gonna do it because the bottom line isn't there and it's all changed. And it's just right. Like, but I get it. I mean it's the nature of the beast. If you're gonna fucking you know commit to being a part of a system and a part of something like and you stay in it for. 20 years you're gonna become yeah what you that got, is yeah you, you know you can't like be in it and fight it i mean the greatest dudes i mean they're still like i have and like i said i won't name names like there's a couple dudes that i know and i've watched them every six months or every couple years do a 180 complete 180 and they're just a whole new person and that's great for them you know what i mean like that's awesome that you're able to remake yourself but you're, you're just becoming this weird amalgamation of what you used to be and like the decisions you're making like it's just ugh, you know like right. you need to step away and go and like do something out of the industry for a little while but totally yeah i get it i only um like always just just an artist you know right. an artist can be a little bit detached from the industry but once i became a brand manager and art director for creation then i had to be like then you have to deal with it now i gotta like it. get all the magazines all the time see what's hot see what's happening uh see so where i get my brand become, like you have to know like you immerse yourself and become this like it's it's a lot it's a lot of fucking <laughs> homework lot. and i didn't really care that much what other people were doing but if i didn't it looked like i was a fish out of water mm -hmm. in the trends and the kids who buy 
want the trends. Not that I was putting out the trends. I was doing this spiritual art thing that is not what they were yeah, looking the for. But... stuff was dope. Like, it, yeah. was a, it was a good, it fit, its, it fit its area for the time. Like there wasn't anything else really like that, was there? Like when you guys started doing it? Well, I guess there I was mean, other hippie brands like Element, which was very well, corporate. Seen, and, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, Element, I think they went that way and got were able to dip their toe in that the genre just because of the writers that they had, you know, uh -huh. Evan Smith and like Nate, Nate Jones and like was Nate on Nate was on Element, right? I think so. I think so. They just had a few dudes that were yeah. That um, were, and Johnny Johnny has a bit. Johnny's a bit hippie-ish in his. Well, they, maybe, they, not, they, not you had Jake way. Rupp. Jake Rupp. What, what's his name from um, Portland? Oregon. Uh, yeah, so with good. a great style. Mm -hmm. That's um, gonna come to me in a second. Yeah, yeah. It's also. Um... <laughs> oh my God, he has the best alley friends at all. Yeah, no, oh. he fucking goes into that uh, the the bridge. Jules Burnside. He's like right. the most stylish dude to skateboard. Right, right. totally. Right, right now, not think about it, and we'll come. Too to much it. weed, fuck. I mean, <laughs> I've been smoking too much weed. Do you smoke weed sometimes? That's my. Uh, that's how I reg like manage my pain. Like okay, in your body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For years through skateboarding industries, skateboarding industries, injuries, um, like knee surgeries and just, and I got fed opiates and I had my dealings with those and the demons and I'm finally like years, it's been years that I've had to have, I've, I've slayed that dragon. So like That's great. now, like it's, it's funny, like when I slam, like when I was skating or whatever before, if I do something I was hurt, like the first thought my brain would go to is like all right who's got pain pills where can I get some pain pills what's going on you know and now like it's the farthest thing from my thoughts and yeah. it's just I'll you know if I'm hurting or if I'm skating all the time then I'll smoke in the morning but usually it's just an evening time thing I'll smoke at night or if I'm up here someone will roll a joint and we'll smoke and then and film and stuff but yeah like that's my my one vice how I, broken is your body and was it worth it well if you had asked me that question three years ago, I would have told you it's completely fucked. Obviously, definitely worth it, you know? But now, like, I have a whole different outlook on healing my body and what I'm capable of and what, just even my, just how my, I think of things. Like, I can tell myself my knee is gonna be better and I can heal my knee over time. You know, just with positive thinking, eating right, stretching, do it. I won't run, unless my legs bent wrong, like I'm not going to a doctor, I'm not gonna go, you know? And changing certain things in my diet and eating certain a certain way, and it's given me a longevity in this that I never, like I said, two years ago I told you no. You know, definitely worth it, like I said, it's every bit of what it is, it's made me who I am where I'm at today, so I wouldn't change it. But um, I, I honestly think now, like, barring any major injury like I can continue at this level for like, and it's all a mental thing Everybody's, I'll post something up and the first thing that comes to is oh slam it like that at our age again baby and I'm like maybe for you like it doesn't bother me like it's worth I'm, I'm doing it and I'm gonna continue doing it mm -hmm. don't you know what I mean like don't say like maybe for you that's programming yeah that's telling like, your body like hey feel bad because I believe you should feel bad exactly like I'll come out here and feel like crap in the morning and I just have to tell myself, Chris, you know, don't do anything. Just roll around the park, 
for 15 minutes. Move your arms, stretch, do some jumping jacks. You'll be fine. And then I am. Uh-huh. And I, I, same thing. And like, I mean, you know how it is. You're fucking painting a mural. Your arms up like this forever. You know, the next morning you're like, oh god, I got to do it again. You know, you can power through it. It's gonna suck. But an hour into it, you're right back into it going. You know, mm-hmm. I think a lot and the majority of people, no matter what they're doing, in that warm-up period where they're oh i'm sore that's where 90 percent of people just give up and want to go home and want to be on their couch and not want to push through it but if you do anything it's uncomfortable if you just do it for a little while your body gets used to it and you're back into it so it's it's all mental it's all mental nice well that's great that you can power through uh any issues (laughs) um so you were telling me that wow holy shit (laughs) garbage can all right let's hopefully i don't do too much noise but uh you're telling me that your art was always there you're always doodling and slowly it started creeping into your skateboard career and now it's just like a career of its own was there like a moment where like i'm also gonna be an artist and here i go i'm gonna try and make a living out of this shit or it just started happening from the offers that came to you it started happening from the offers that came and then and i probably did that for about eight years that way and not really pursuing and like i would try here and there and then in 2018 that was like the first time like i linked up with this gallery in oceanside they were a fine art gallery and they were it was my first like foray into trying to like do something out of the skateboarding niche like Mm -hmm. and i did a fucking ton of art shows in these like really bougie areas and these really and it sucked where was that in San Diego, like okay. Del Mar, La Jolla. Okay. Like, and it sucked? It just was like, it sucked more so, it just seemed like everybody was so thirsty. Like any place that I went, any show that I was at, like the other artists was like, it was never a community of like, hey, we can do work together, we can do more. It mm-hmm. was the same thing how you said you felt in Denver, like, oh, what are you going to be taking from me? It was right. like, when they, you were in these shows, it just seemed like everybody was just ladder climbing, trying to run, climb, and get higher than the next person. Uh-huh. It was like, I, I don't know. I just, if you, you know, if you like my art, you like my art, but I'm not going to fucking, I don't know, I'm not going to jockey in positioning for you and try to, like, get over on you so I can get, you know what I mean? Right. Like, I'd rather work with you than work, like, as a competitor so what, or even. So what changed? What do you mean? Like, you know, that whole... Oh, I just stopped Competition, working. babes, that you move away, that you I try some doing, other... Like, thing? for that for that year, like, I was just, like, pounding it, going, like, this show, this show, and the guy that I was working with that had the gallery had ties with shows and different venues that I normally wouldn't have the, the connection to. Uh-huh. So I started... I basically just went out of... From doing art shows... I don't even know. I hate using bars, but you know how that that scene. Like escape there, you'll have a at a coffee shop. You have it here, or it's at a bar here, or yeah. over here. They're very like not very rarely, but seldomly will I be doing an art show in a gallery. It's usually yeah. at a, some other venue. Up. Yeah, and I don't know. I just I started going to these, and I, like I said, I probably did eight, eight or nine art shows that year, and this at, at these different venues, and it was a whole different group of of people not the people coming to see their art was fine but it was just the artists that like i guess like that there's more money involved in that genre and more or in that area and those types of shows were 
the people that are coming aren't skateboarders and they have a ton of money and that's why they're there for is to, to look at art and collect art and it's not and it just seemed like every artist was just way too thirsty and it just put a bad taste in my mouth and it's like you know like if your art if your art is your art and your art's good enough then you don't need to be that fucking thirsty you know right like people will want it and people will get it I don't know I uh-huh. just, people that are too thirsty in any walk of life whether it's skateboarding or art or anything it's, it's because like, there's a lack just slow down calm down if you're gonna if it's gonna happen for you I don't know I, that's the way I've always felt right you know, it's I'm, good to be passionate and work hard for your dreams mm-hmm. but it's almost seem, when it's when there's this that desperate need it's like I gotta make this thing it's like why like what's 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 the hole in your chest that, that you right there is why it's not gonna happen if you can figure out and just do it right you know like let it happen you gotta know. be so full of this creation and love that it's just natural to spill over mm-hmm. and offer it and people are like i want a piece of that because i'm vibing with it i just don't like the, when it goes from like this beautiful thing that people are vibing with to this like i've got to do something sideways and shady to to get around you know what i mean right just to like uh-huh. i don't know i just don't like i don't like that that that's you're a guy you're who likes to keep it something. real yeah <laughs> so in this effort of keeping it real i know and you've mentioned it already that you probably had this struggle of like are people only buying my art because i'm a famous pro skater because they want a piece of chris markovich that i can put on their wall and is my art good enough without the whole pro skater side of things so I imagine that's what you threw yourself in a different scene to yeah. see like let's see if my art's good enough for those people who don't know who I am what's that's, your thoughts about this no that's pretty much exactly what I was trying to do and wanting to do and it I just did, I, I don't know I just did. have you gotten over that uh, oh, in yeah, your conversation yeah yeah. yeah 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 no and I think it was just at that time 2018 I wasn't skateboarding so I, like I said, I felt fragmented. It wasn't, I didn't feel whole. I lost a part of me, not skating, just my identity. And I think now if I was to try to do that and go in to pursue that, I would have a whole different, I would. You'd be like, fuck yeah, I'm a skater. I would, yeah, I would embrace yeah. the skateboarder art side of things. Right. And show that yeah. this is what I, you know. Yeah, not I use it as like. I am than all these other artists in the sense of, I come from this culture, you know what I mean? Right, because you don't have to be like, hey everybody my art's great because i'm a skater it's like no my art's great because it's great but it's also great because i'm a skater that made this art it's like yeah the shit that's in my it's the same words but it's the same different intention almost yeah and it's like you can tell the content where it comes from is a skateboarding background and it's like you can see the direct link and i think that that makes sense more so for people that have no idea what skateboarding is they can look at my art, see the art, and then if they see me skateboard or see anything on that side, they can, ah, okay, it kind of makes sense. Like, his breaststrokes are super hard, and he grinds into the page. Like, you can kind of transfer that into the way I skate, there's, you know? There's like, a looseness, there's stylistic, there's a griminess, there's a street aspect without necessarily being graffiti. Uh, there's a street art. I always thought skate art was street art. Yeah. It was a kind of street art, and now that street art is a thing, Right. Like it's I don't know it's it's hard to to define that but um, skateboarding is an intriguing culture in itself 
uh, and make people who don't skate look at skateboarding and like, well, that looks really interesting and they dress a certain way and they hang out and stuff. And then there's the art that comes out from that culture. That's intriguing too. Mm -hmm. And you're a real skater. Uh, famous or not, you'll always be a real skater that was on the streets and is doing it and is breaking his bones and bleeding and then presenting some soul expression that comes mixed with that blood, sweat and tears. So I think that's really like, you that's know. That's the goal. Right. <laughs> well, that's what you're doing. Um, would you say that uh, you're succeeding in the path of making a living from an, uh, as an artist? Yeah. And, and I mean, obviously, you can always say, I wish I was making more. I wish I could have more. If I had more, then I wouldn't have to worry about this or this or that. But when you just get lost in what I could or what it could and right. enjoying what's here. And like I said, I'm, I am happy where I'm at and and any fruits that come from the labor is just icing on the cake you know like right just trying to figure more so just being present you know right like, we're we're just so blessed and the fact that on top of it we get to skate in the morning and paint mm -hmm. in the afternoon mm -hmm. and have a, a family or people that like us that's I think cherries on top change one of the major things that I, I did and it was a simple word like you change a perspective saying like I get to go do this interview with you today instead of in the small talk to my wife well I gotta go do this <clears throat> I gotta go do this interview today no I get to go do this interview today like be grateful I'm grateful that I'm sitting outside the skate park right now like you said it's what is today Thursday Wednesday Wednesday it's like the middle of the day Wednesday and a beautiful sunny day yeah there's people like this right now that yeah are like, you know, in there having to do that. And we're out enjoying and we can walk right over there and ride our skateboard. And, and you know oh, what I mean? Like, yeah. it's amazing. I also love it that it's late November and we're I'm in shorts right? and a t-shirt. It's not kinda four feet of snow. Kind of sweating. So tell me a little bit about your art. What's the main mediums? Obviously, you paint a lot of skateboards, but you get down on walls and canvases. Tell me a little bit about what, what you're trying to say with your art. Well, so... My, I pretty much have them in my wheelhouse of what I normally paint. Yeah, obviously canvas, stretch. I, I prefer unstretched, just raw canvas on a, on a wall or on a hard surface. And I, I guess what I would try to convey with my artwork and my painting is when you see a complete painting, uh, a Chris Markovich painting, that it is my, I have the exact, aside from the physical impacts and the pain, the same exact thing that goes into a skateboarding session goes into painting. Like the thoughts, the emotions, the like, I mean, I have skate sessions. Like I remember tricks I did. I remember things like I'll remember slams and I'll, I'll like do a like grind real hard on the board. You know what I mean? Like I know I'll put that in there. I'll like halfway through a painting I'll see a picture in my head of somebody turning their ankle like skating slamming like hurting their ankle and it's like cringeworthy and I'll like scratch across the painting and scratch my nails into it and it's like it's what's going on there's so much that goes into it even if my painting is yeah so it's another fucking face as everybody says but there's so much behind it that's gone into it and like to watch me do it and watch me paint gives a little bit better perspective. But I mean, yeah, I think that that's, I try to marry, marry the two. 
internally when I'm doing it. For know? me, it's more like you're, when I saw you painting uh, at Jake Rupp's, uh, when, when he had that studio inside the Mega Ramp mm -hmm. and we did our collabo and I, I observed you painting, it's like you're just flowing and you're discovering and sure, you got the structure of the face, which is kind of like your signature in a way, but you're always just kind of like just going, it's almost like, it's like a skate session. When yeah. you're out on the street and you go and you find, you're just going street skating in the town. You don't know what you're going to come across. You don't know what you're going to get. Uh -huh. The trick comes from the first obstacle you see. You turn a corner, oh, there's a set of steps. Right then, you think of what you're going to do down that. There's no, like, I'm going to this. I you may think, oh, I want a 360 flip a set of steps today. Somewhere, you maybe think that or whatever. You got this certain trick. But you turn the corner, it's right there. Boom. That's when you thought. That's when you're, you know, you become this, when somebody is super, like, spur of the moment, right then, like, that's beautiful. When you see somebody that comes up with something that's creative. Spontaneous. With me, like, on a canvas, I'll make a color. And I'll go into a blank canvas and just make a, a line, a color, or something, anything. And then... From that, that's my first set of steps that I see. You mm -hmm. see what I'm saying? And that's where I go, and that's where the session starts, and I start building off of that. I never go into a painting thinking, all right, it's, the end result's going to be this. I know certain things that I want to do, certain types of, I don't know, uh, I don't know, I want to put it on the board or on the canvas like this, and I want to use this application somewhere in there that I've been working on or whatever. But for the most part, it's just complete spur of the moment. When I do murals, it's the hardest thing for me to translate to the client is, I've got your deal, what you guys want, but if you want me to, and I'll do it, but it's not, it's never gonna look like the sketch. It's never going to. Yeah. Like, I can't do same, that. Same, same with it's me. it's like, if you can, you know my art and you can just trust me. Yeah. I'm not gonna give you something that's gonna look like shit. I'm going to give yeah. you something that you're going to be happy with. Uh -huh. That's a trust factor for me when it comes to the sketches that I had to, I, if I do in the sketch, then that, for me, that's an extra, extra bit of work mentally that I have to do. Right. But for the most part, whenever I'm doing a painting or whenever I'm painting something, it's all spur of the moment. All right. On the fly. So you got to channel, you know, you're like, you're channeling energy, feeling the intuition being spontaneous. And that whole thing where like you are channeling the skate session with falls and stuff, have you ever heard it? physically hurt yourself while doing art yes how well dumb shit i've fallen off ladders but, <laughs> um, <laughs> stretching yeah like i've fucked my arm up like i can't reach and i should move one different ladder and get it but i'll jump and stretch and it like stretches my arm i uh i did what did i i did something I stepped off and stepped on a can and twisted my knee and I couldn't finish the mural for like the, till the next week like that's weird when you get hurt and like dude I've been skating for this long and I've been able to finish demos with a fucking slam but I can't finish this mural because uh, it's painting right but, but at least we gotta be like grateful that as a skater, well, you're proving that you can skate it, like, you know, till you're a little bit less young. But yeah. as an artist, we could technically, like, raise our arm and mm -hmm. do a painting into our 80s and 90s. As, you know, as long as we don't get Parkinson's or something, we can still do it, mostly. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's, a, that's a good path. That's something good. To, that's a good way to think about it for, like, that's something to look forward to. Like, I beat the shit out of myself for however long I need to, and then I can still at least... <laughs> it's like I'm like 
can move my arm. I can right. <laughs> so I was going to ask you, you know, like what's next for you, but it seems like you're just kind of like happy and satisfied in the now, which is a nice combination of family and art and skating. Yeah. I mean, as far as like, I mean, I have like, I have, there's things that I have that I'm in, I'm working on. I have an art show, a couple art shows coming up in December. Where? Um, one here at Grassroots and that's on December 10th. And then I just, there's um, this Wayward Walls, it's in Tampa, and it's this dude that just sent out a group text, or a group DM, day before yesterday, inviting a bunch of artists for, I think it's the 13th or 14th of December, it's like a group show in, in Tampa, I have to get all the, all the info for that one. But I have those two things coming up, and then... Um, Didn't you pay a paint for the Tampa Pro yeah, this year? Yeah, um, last year, uh, well, so COVID happened, 2020 was a wash, and then 2021, they had, they did it, but it was the AM, Pro and AM were right after each other, like six weeks. Now, this year, they spread them apart. This year, Lucas Beaufort, Beaufort did yeah. it, and uh, so he came in and redid it, but I did it on the one before that. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Cool, hopefully I get in and uh, paint some rounds for them at some point since no, I'm dude, local now. Now you, I'm sure. I'm, Tell Brian, I'll tell, tell Brian you're in town, you want to do it. Yeah, nice. I'm sure he'd be hyped. Sick. But yeah, no, that just that, and then I was filming for uh, the Techni, the board company I ride for, uh, filming a video part for them, and then a video part for Anchor. Uh-huh. And those are just kind of works in progress, so, I mean, yeah, I'm just kind of live, just living right That's now. That's awesome like, that you're still uh, filming video parts, because those are no <laughs> know, joke, right? man. Yeah. That's awesome. Props to you. Do you have any final words of wisdom to the viewers of this humble little show um if i was to say anything i would say just be there for others like the more that you can help others get by and do just anything whether they need help with i don't know if you got a flat tire give them help give somebody shake their hand give them you know just be positive and if we I've found that the nicer that I am and the more mellow that I am in every situation in my life whether it be at a drive-through or a cash register if I have a smile on my face and I'm polite that does wonders like because you don't know what the other person is going through at that moment and I've I've had somebody, I was at the laundromat the other day and I moved my cart and this old man said something to me, this is like, and I turned around and my hair stood up on the back of my neck and I, sh I my first natural inclination was just to lash out at him and be like, no, I'm here, blah, blah, you know, because I was in the right. And I just turned around and looked at him and I was like, oh, this was, you know, and I was super polite to him and then like his whole demeanor changed and, and we actually had a good conversation for like five or 10 minutes while I was waiting for my clothes to dry and it could have gone on the way that I reacted, it could have gone very, very bad, and it could have just had a negative reaction, but I just swallowed everything and was like, all right, it was nice to him. And that's like a perfect analogy for how you should live every day of your life to everybody you meet. You know? Right, that's a beautiful way of uh, about going through life. And it's also nice to pop people's bubbles, because I could imagine perhaps the guy at the laundromat was like, oh, look at this, mm -hmm. like, tattooed punk, this, you know, like it, that maybe it intimidates him. So he's got to be all like kind of tough to like yeah. match his illusion of who you are. But then you're a sweetie. He's like, oh <laughs> shit, like I had it wrong. So I like, can I'm be a sweetie now. the least intimidating 
person with this many tattoos. You know what I mean? Like, I get it all the time. People are like, yeah, soon I'm going to be nice to you. I'm going to be polite. I'm going to say yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Like, I'm going to be polite to you. I'm not, you know. Well, it's great to pop those bubbles mm -hmm. of stereotypes and projection and show that a person's a person for how they act, not for how they, how they look. Exactly. So you gotta drop all that. So thank you so much, Chris. I of really course. appreciate it. Thank you. Woo! Welcome and to St. Pete. Thank you so much, man. And thank you guys for watching another episode of Chris Dyer's Creative Friends. Please uh, press the like button, comment if anything resonated with you, share this episode, subscribe, and please let us let more people know about this humble show. I'll see you next time. Blessings. Woo! Next episode, my guest will be Claudia LaBianca. I'm the type of person that I say that I never heard it before and so I came up with it. <laughs> but I'll jump off a plane without a parachute with the faith that I know that I'm going to grow wings to fly. You know, like wow. I'm that type of like, I, I take the risk. It's, it's easy to give up, you know, it's, and, it's, and it's also, and, and that's what it is, again, about my, you know, sexy woman in my heart. You know, it's what's behind it, right? It's all mindset. It's like, so we are limited uh, about our potentials because uh, we have fears. Because somebody have said in the past when we we're young, uh, no, you can't, you can't be an artist, and you can't be a full mom, and you can't be a full-time mom, and you can't leave off your art. I, I never had those fears. I fought those fears. You know, I fought those fears, and I, I'm like, no, I'm going to try, and I'm going to... I'm going to try to be, you know, strong in my own belief. So please make sure to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Big thanks, and see you next episode. Peace.